Now entering Nerdist.com. Well, hello there, stranger. Long time no see. Uh, it's Sandra, as in sexered Sandra, as someone who hasn't been podcasting in quite a while. Hello and welcome to this episode. Uh, a few things. One, um, yeah, I've been on a hiatus. Unannounced, of course, because, well, should I tell you why? Um, it's a little weird. Uh, you know how sometimes people have difficulty and no, I, when a man loves a woman, no, I, I don't know what to tell you. Honestly, I haven't podcasted in a while. Um, there is a thing that comes up for me every week and it has been for uh, ever since I started podcasting and it would come up no matter what I did in life. Uh, it's a mental health issue that we can't really apply common terms like depression and anxiety to. Um, and I just, yeah, my mental health stuff has come up a lot in the last five years. And when you basically, I knew I was a little crazy, you know, in, in some classic crazy ways. Right, a little bit of spice. And then I found out that I was like extra crazy in ways that I was I've never even heard of. So I'm working through it. And and not like in the oh feel sorry for me kind of way, because um my life is awesome. Life is awesome, and I'm really glad to be talking to you right now. So anyway, the point is that we each of us is fighting our battles. And I've got this one, which uh, caused me to be uh, on hiatus, let's just say. Um, also, it, it's good to take a break sometimes and you know, look back at your life and stuff. So I, I'm feeling really healthy. It's funny because I used to be burned out. Sometimes you just get tired of doing the same thing for a while and, and you need a break. And for a while now, I've been so excited to get back to you and talk to you about sex and love, relationships. I have so many new ideas and exciting transformations. Oh, so this is a one-off episode of Sex Nerd Sandra. I plan to be coming back from hiatus officially in September-ish, October-ish. Um, but currently, I'm in a car filled with stuff to go to Burning Man, and I haven't slept much for the last two days because I've been preparing. And this is how I sometimes need to push myself to uh, get an episode out. Is that always going to be the case? No. I'll tell you why, though. Because I have a new person in my life, and this person is kind of like... Well, they're super awesome. And also, basically, I have a podcast dom now. Is that? Yeah, I, I'm going to apply that term. I have a podcast dom, and uh, they have been working with me the last several weeks to kind of just shake out the stuff that's been holding me back, and it feels really great, and I appreciate them for being so great a lot. Uh, big hugs to that person. Um, and so anyway, that's the deal with hiatus. I plan to come back. And um, this episode is so great. I am looking at my recording because I've been talking for four minutes and I already am like, oh, it's too much, too much talking. 
Just get to the episode. Sandra, come on. Um, but, ooh, is that the internal voice that holds us back? Maybe. Um, let's see. Oh, ooh, this episode, yes. So Tara Indiana, please go to her website, TaraIndiana.com. Donate to her presidential campaign. Donate... Uh, just because she's awesome. Uh, so seriously, I don't like talking about politics much on the show. Sex, sadly, kind of just is political in this country. This country being the United States of America. And I don't know about your country. And so the fact that we have a dominatrix running for president, right in ballot, for sure. Uh, I just love this. And I, I love Tara for sitting down with me and... We joke. It's fun. It's serious sometimes. We talk about the micro penis thing with Trump. Um, we talk about, well, then we talk about body shaming, <laughs> which isn't cool. Uh, she's so great that she can t talk about so many different aspects of sexuality and kink and how they apply to politics. Um, it's an exciting conversation that took us in many different directions. I love the last bit because we talk about the reality of human rights, freedom, and kinky people. So, which I haven't given a lot of thought to, but Tara really breaks it down. So, um, yeah, but the ride to even that conversation point, I, I have fond memories of this episode. Ah, uh, and oh, I um, yell at somebody named Steven at the beginning. That's my dog. That is not a person. In case you thought that I was like had a submissive or a slave. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that kind of... Not, not right now, at least. I don't have a slave. Mm. Ah, kink. Okay, let's see. Looking at my notes, coming back. Oh, RSS feed. Hey, you're listening to this. That means you found this episode. But a year ago, the RSS feed changed. So if you and or your friend or friends friends uh think that i stopped podcasting after september 2015 that's not the case so check your rss feed rss.art19.com slash sex dash nerd dash sandra again rss.art1919.com slash sex dash nerd dash Sandra. I'm so tired right now. Um, but I'm also really excited because I'm about to go to Burning Man. And if you're hearing this, it means you're not a Burning Man because it's off the grid. And that's great because I don't need you to come find me this this year. <laughs> and I just, I just want to hide amidst 50,000 people, 60,000 people in the desert and um, run around naked. Um, and not feel too self-conscious. I just, I need that for a week. Let's get back on track. Back to school seasons here. Um, but first, I'm going to get wild. But if you are uh, heading to Burning Man this weekend, and you hear this, check out the Getting Laid at Burning Man episode from, I think, a couple years ago, which has great info in it. Ah, I like you, and I've missed you so much. I can't even, I can't even right now. Um, so thanks for tuning in. All right. Let's see. We talked about the hiatus and the fact that I'm kind of crazy. Um, but like in a way that I can totally handle and I have a podcast on and, uh, Tara Indiana donate, check out her classes. So good. She's in, uh, at the den of iniquity in Los Angeles. 
Check out the GQ article about Tara Indiana running for president. So good to uh, check your RSS feed. And uh, I have a dog named Steven. That's what we got. That's what we have. Hey, I like you. Oh, I'll be in Seattle in September for Geek Girl Con on two panels. Other than that, I'll see you on the internet. Mwah! Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are all these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Yeah, hey, Steven. Cool, man. Down. Down. Good boy. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I think you're only the second professional dom I've had. Uh, dominatrix or woman dom. I don't, I don't know the words. I don't, what, are you, what are your labels um, on my show? Really? Yeah, it's kind of huh. screwed up. I feel like I've just... You've been ignoring us? I think I just tend to be around more mandoms, and uh-huh. so they just end up on my show more because it's like hey, you know about this thing, yeah. and uh, and and your people kind of scare me a little bit. Oh, do they? Yeah, I'm I'm more of a sexual sub. Mm-hmm. And so wait, so does that mean you're more afraid of a dominant woman than a dominant man? I think uh, it like, hits a different chord, chord? inside me, uh-huh. and I think um, I tend to be drawn to really like nurturing daddy type doms. Uh-huh. Not like just for play, but also friendships and, uh-huh. and connections at parties and things. Yeah. And so, and I never tend to just get into cool conversations with dominant women. Oh, like wow. For some, it's just... Well, you just picked the coolest woman to have the coolest conversation with the coolest dominant woman <laughs> ever. I, so, I felt very lucky when I stumbled into your S&M neurology class at DomCon. I was like, she knows so much, and and you and you teach w- like well because there's all, there's there's knowing stuff, and then there's communicating a well, and you know, you know yeah. there's there's an art to teaching. Absolutely, um, it's performance actually. It really is. It really is. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, and it's kind of exciting being in your den of iniquity space. In the yes, because you're in the archives. Your listeners don't know this, but the archives of the den of iniquity for the past 20 years are just laid out in front of us. Top, top secret, and you're in the inner sanctum. I'm amazed, really. Everything's dipped in gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, oh my gosh. Okay, where do we even start? So, I take this class from you. Mm-hmm. We could talk just on the science of neurology of s and I learned so much. Thank hey, you. Hey, Stephen? Sorry, this is my, my dog is in her. You don't get in dominatrix's face. Is that how you say it? What's the plural of dominatrix? Technically, the plural of dominatrix is dominatrices, but nobody uses it correctly. So mostly people tend to say dominatrixes, (laughs) even though it's supposed to be a C. Dominatrices. Yeah. The X becomes a C. That feels way better to me. Yeah, it's kind of classy. Yeah. Dominatrices. Say it with us, kids. (laughs) Maybe we could be dominatri. That sounds extra sexual yeah. like if you could make that more sexual that's yeah. just what you just did right then yeah. Yeah. you totally make it but now it. there's all different kinds of titles you know pro doms uh femdom you know 
uh, I don't know. It's it's like everything. Now there's like a thousand titles and gender roles, and it's just confusing. You know? uh, but I'm old school, so I like dominatrix. That's that's what it was called when I was coming up. That's what I consider myself to be. I like it. If I were to be a professional dominant, uh, stepping into the womanly role of it, I'd want to be called a dominatrix. It's a cool word. Yeah. Anything that ends with tricks <laughs> or an X of any kind is, is definitely cooler than, like, domina. That's like the, that's like the politically correct one now. Really? Domina. Domina. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it either. It's fine for others. Yeah. Okay, I'm on Team X. Um, okay, I'm getting off track because you're so cool and I can't wait to talk about this because you're running for president. Yes. I'm the first dominatrix to run for president. I am honored to interview you for this podcast. Thank you. What do I call you? Mistress Tara, Dr. Indiana, Tara Indiana, the dominatrix? Um, Mistress Tara, although I don't know. What do they call presidential candidates? I just like Indiana. So, Indiana. Indiana? No, I guess Mr. Mr. Uh, Sanders, Mr. Trump, Ms. Clinton? Do they say Ms. Clinton? I think they refer to you by whatever office you held previously. Oh, Senator? So it would be Senator Clinton. It would be Senator Sanders. Headmistress Uh, Indiana? There we go. Headmistress Indiana. Well, but but you've retired. I have retired. That's true. I have retired. That's true. Oh, actually, what was funny was even before this, I thought about running for president when I decided decided that I was going to retire from being headmistress. Mm -hmm. Like I sort of went through this like moral crisis like this, this. Because I was like, because I'd been I, I had been headmistress for so long, for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I used to sign my letters like HMT. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tara. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a joke, but, you know, it was, you know, serious <laughs> at the same time. So I'm like, who am I now if I'm not headmistress Tara? And then I realized, well, when a president is not a president anymore, he still keeps his title. They call him Mr. President. Mm-hmm. So uh, we changed my name to Mr. Headmistress. Mr. Headmistress. Yeah. That has a nice... Uh, that feels nice. feels yeah. weighty. Yeah. Yeah. Is that going to so, be on your tombstone someday? Mr. Headmistress? Mr. Headmistress. It could be. I like it. Do you like it? Yeah. I have a friend whose Twitter handle is Dr. Lawyer Cop. Love Dr. That. Lawyer Cop. Yeah. Is he things. all those things? No. None no, of them. He's none of those things. Yeah, no. So, but it's still there's something that feels good. It's all in your mouth. I'm really into mouth texture of words. Dominatrices, dominatrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never thought about it. Would I put sex nerd Sandra on a tombstone? Anyway, that's that's for a weird future life conversation with myself. Um, Doctor, Mister, Headmistress. Tara, Indiana. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Congratulations on your announcement to run for president. Thank you. I, being a sex and love podcaster and educator, have questions about how you will be as a future president of this fine nation. Well, thank you. Um, Well, first, I want to legalize polyandry. Are you familiar with polyandry? That's when one woman has a lot of laundry to do because she's married several men. 
<laughs> Not in my world, it won't oh. be. Yeah, now polyandry is the marriage of one woman to several men. Okay. Uh, and uh, this is... Uh, uh, this is this works on a lot of levels because when you look throughout history, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, whenever there's been polyandry, it generally develops from diminishing from diminishing resources, mm-hmm. um, and whenever there's polygamy, uh, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. So you know the Bible said, "Go be fruitful and multiply." Mm-hmm. Well, we've done that. Mm-hmm. We did. We really we did that. Good we, job, everyone. Good job, everyone. We were fruitful and we multiplied. Now there's too many of us. Okay. So we have to move in another direction now. So if we start creating family structures where there's one woman and several men, because, I mean, just think about how much college tuition is nowadays. You need four or five incomes just to send one child uh, to to school. And it it builds on the idea of, um, of of a village raised as a child. Hmm, yeah. So what I'm talking about is a new family structure where there's one mother and uh, a couple of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the men, uh, you know, and so you'll have at least four or five incomes and the men can be much more involved in the child uh, rearing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have to worry about babysitters or mm-hmm. any of that. It's the smaller you know, kind of nuclear family. Uh, that child is going to be very loved and very well taken care of. And uh, is going to probably be able to afford to go to the best schools. And we also we also have diminishing resources with with food, with everything. I mean, the environment is going. You know, um, he's kind of the environment. <laughs> the environment is going. Um, uh, it's you know we're sort of like pre post apocalypse. I mean, <laughs> I don't think we're that far off from food wars. I really don't. Headmistress, I don't see so far off. Mister Headmistress. Tara, that's a bleak outlook for mm-hmm. the future of America. Mm. It feels it feels it's a little dark. It's a little dark. Yeah, but yeah. it's true. Uh, and so you feel that to best prepare the American population for this, you need to legalize polyandry yeah. and help uh, create healthier family structures to prepare for. Um, this for, economic and environmental issue, these issues. Yeah, because, I mean, we have a lot of problems. Uh, in particular, uh, you know, machines are replacing a lot of jobs. Yes. Uh, wages have been flat for 30 years. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and machines are just going to continue replacing jobs. And so what jobs is it that people are going to actually have? Right. Uh, I mean, basically what we have to do is we have to, uh, we have to rebuild the whole infrastructure of our country because it's mm-hmm. completely outdated. And that'll deal with the economy. It'll also deal with the environment, mm-hmm. um, you know, because what we have to do is we need to build roads and we need to convert to solar power and, you know, all those kind of things and all those. And we need a, a, a high speed rail system also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and building all these things will definitely improve the uh, e- economy because these are jobs that can't be sent overseas. Uh, and uh, also converting, doing conversions to solar power. Uh, those are jobs that can't be outsourced. So we need to have these kind of like construction. We need to re- liter- literally rebuild our country. Literally. Literally. The country needs to be rebuilt. New rails, new freeways, new schools, new all that stuff. Now, as a do I understand this correctly in the the media that I have seen so far in your campaign that you are a female supremacist? That's correct. So would this all this work in rebuilding be done by like hordes of slave men? Yes. 
uh, it's like oh i mean okay well uh well. great yes uh i what is female supremacy is that like i mean there's feminists like yeah let's let's make sure everybody's getting what they need and you know from society and all that but this sounds like it's a level up from that it's like misogyny but the opposite no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's misogyny. I think that uh, men and women are different, and mm-hmm. I think that they will continue to be different, mm-hmm. and that those differences should be honored appropriately. And what that means is the reality is that women bring life into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, puts an, an enormous amount of responsibility on mm-hmm. us, like the whole. The whole arrangement, I mean, when you just think about how it works, is that the woman uh, creates life, and every time she has sex, she risks pregnancy and death. Mm -hmm. And the man, what does he risk? Embarrassment. Embarrassment. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's that's not, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. That's not, so a woman should be elevated because of that because we have that awesome responsibility of um making sure the race continues to be mm-hmm. uh and so um we should be treated as the goddesses that we are because we perpetuate life mm-hmm. and men are you know needed for certain things but they're not needed for a lot of other stuff and men, well, okay, it's not all men, but there's. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you just said the phrase "not all men," which is a whole thing in itself. Yeah, um, not all men, but I mean, the, the the problem in politics is consistently uh, middle-aged white men are at the root of almost all problems. I did watch in your announcement at DomCon where you were saying you're running uh, for, for president that uh-huh. you, you really, if you go to the heart of every problem in society, it's middle-aged white men. It's middle-aged white men, yeah. Mm-hmm. Throughout, throughout time. You can go all the way back. Now, there could be a correlation or a causation, but you're saying it's a causation. Well, I think that we've, they've had their chance now, mm-hmm. and they've been running it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it's time now to give somebody else a crack at it. Right. And it could be you. And it could be me. What kind of president do you think you'd make? What kind of president do I think I'd make? I think I'd be tough and fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd be thoughtful. Um, I think I would... Uh, I think I have good negotiating skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I've traveled extensively. I've lived in 13 different countries. Um, and I've lived in a lot of different cultures. So I, I'm able to sort of empathize. Or In the black community, they call it... Um, oh, gosh. I'm going to forget the word. Huh. It's, being being um, awesome? Do they say that? Well, yeah, they do say being awesome. But it's, <laughs> um, it, it, it's, a, it's a reference to... Um, it happens more in black, in, in black families where you're mixed, mm-hmm. where in one group you act more white and in another group, group you act more black. And it's called code switching. Code switching. Yes. Code switching. I'm very good at code switching. Oh. Yeah. What code are you doing right now? What code am I doing right now? Yeah. Uh, I'm doing Mistress Tara code right now. Really? Yeah. 
this is a safe space. We're in the den. Mm-hmm. Safe. Oh, wait. We're in the den. So you call it the den? Is that weird to call it? No, not weird. It's the den. It's the den. Okay. I'm like, oh, I guess you, have, you kind of get into Mistress Tara mode when you're in the den. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So who's the real Tara, Tara? That's hard to say. That's something I've been thinking about a lot since I retired. And what I realize is that um, Mistress Tara is made up of pieces of me, mm-hmm. but there are pieces of me that are not in Mistress Tara. I see. And I think just generally your Don persona is, is generally your idealized self. It's, mm-hmm. it's who you are on your best day. It's who you aspire to be. It's uh, who you want to be. It's, it's your best self. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is that you can't, nobody can be their best self all the time. It's just, mm-hmm. It would just be too much pressure. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's the difference. It's interesting, because I've attended a few of your classes that mm-hmm. I love, because you teach here at the Den. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't really identify as a Dom or I haven't really explored it. But I've had a few light bulbs go on. Mm-hmm. And to me, my, what I feel called to in terms of being a Dom mm-hmm. has nothing to do with my ideal self. Hmm. Yeah. Is it some fantasy person? Is it something no, altogether like, different? It's almost shamanistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, th- I don't feel like it's my best self or my ideal self. It mm-hmm. just seems like, <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, um, but that's a part of you, though. Oh, yeah, totally a part. Totally a part. That's still you a know? part of you. Uh, but I guess I've never thought about what my idealized self yes. is. I don't know. Yeah. I want to get to know you more. I mean, I'm fascinated. Oh, for one, now, I, I want to kind of... Okay. You've been... Wait. You were a headmistress for 25 years, or the Den of Iniquity has been around for 25 years, which is your... Been, Den of Iniquity is my dungeon, uh... Den of Iniquities have been around for 20 years. I've been around for 25 years. Those are the numbers. Okay. Yeah. And you so retired I, a while ago. I retired in 2014. Technically, I've been doing this now for 27 years. What happened in 94? I thought something happened in 94. That's, uh, that's when we started the dungeon. 1994. Oh, when it started. Okay, got in it. In New York, we founded the Den of Iniquity. Did you say 84? No, no, no. no, no okay, I thought you said 84. 94. Like, that's, 94. That's a lot of king. That's a lot of spankings. Holy cow. Okay, so you only uh, retired two years ago. Um, yeah. uh, perfect. Great transition to presidency. I like yeah. this. And you've well, trained... what do you do after you've been headmistress? There's nothing left. You've got to run for president. What else I... is there? Yeah, you've trained over a thousand doms. Yes. Right? And you've dominated over ten... No. Ten thousand. Ten thousand men? It is ten thousand. Like, I it wanted to say 000. that number, and then I was like, that couldn't be possible. It, it's possible. Twenty-five Whoa. years... I, that's true. I did the math of how many dildos I've sold because it's yeah. at the time that I worked mm-hmm. at a sex store mm-hmm. and went, oh shit, it's, it's in the thousands. Of, yeah. Um, wow, 10,000. So. So I've seen a lot of penises. You have. I've seen all the penises. And there seems to be some. Um, They're each like snowflakes. Oh, beautiful, erect, and bouncy snowflakes. Yeah. Sometimes erect. Sometimes. 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 So how big do you think Donald Trump's penis is? I think, it is, I think it's a micro penis. I'm sure of it. Is there really that much correlation that you've seen yes. in terms of ego and yes. authoritarianism and control? Yes. Like, or what are the signs from Donald Trump as one of the contenders for pre- presidency this year? Well, he builds giant phallic buildings and puts his name on them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a bully. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, men with small penises tend to be bullies. Uh, men with small penises tend to be uh, womanizers because mm-hmm. they're trying to prove something. Uh, they, they're not able to have a real connection with a woman. They have to sort of conquest and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the, the braggadociousness, mm-hmm. um, the over-the-top, uh, just uh, the bigness of everything mm-hmm. is compensating for something that is clearly tiny teeny weeny no as oh i would even go so far <laughs> i would go so far he might be one of those guys that's pubic hairs are longer than his dick i mean i wouldn't be surprised if maybe they had to his children were done with the artificial insemination i mm-hmm. mean maybe he can't even get it hard maybe he's not even maybe he's so small that he can't even penetrate a woman now i I'm fine with people having very tiny penises, mm-hmm. like, you know, the uh, genitals run the gamut. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like we're, ju- I don't feel like we're judging the size of his penis, but the fact that he's overcompensating in these really right. incredibly abusive, um, difficult ways, are uh, difficult to handle ways that could be detrimental to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hitler had a micro penis too. How do you know that? That's been scientifically proven from his medical records. Really? Yes. I'm what? telling you, there is. I think that I think that men uh, that are going to run for office, that we need to see their penises first. <laughs> yeah. No, because no, okay, look, because okay, all right, because Donald Trump is always telling people he was went after Obama for the birth certificate. So if he is well endowed, so. Just let him just let's just have a dick pic and just and just get that right off the table. Yeah. So I th- I'm calling him out. He has to he should provide a dick pic and prove once and for all that he does not have a micro penis. Yeah, if he's going to bring it up. And I don't know what he's hiding. You know, if he's so confident in himself, he should be more than able to prove that he does not have a micro penis. Now, as somebody who has been a professional at working with men who come to you mm-hmm. for your services and your expertise. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that you don't have that much experience with assholes with micro penises because wouldn't they mean be more like dominant and not seek you out? Um, we get a couple of micro penises here and there, you know, and it's not the size of the penis; it's the way that the man perceives the penis that makes mm-hmm. it a problem, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, actually, that's interesting. Are submissive men well better hung than dominant men? <laughs> I hadn't that thought might, of it like that, but... That might be true. Interesting. I, I love that idea. It never even crossed my mind. Because, you know, you can, always, you can always tell when a guy has a big dick because he's just relaxed. <laughs> like, whenever you meet a guy that's just kind of mellow and just kind of laid back and whatever... He's packing. Because he, he knows that... I want to do this scientific research, which is also... We should do scientific that's research. That's one of your platform yes. things, is, is uh, securing funding for sex and kink research. Yes, absolutely. This seems like this would be maybe like... Would you think that this would be like a first-year um, science funding thing that you'd want to do? Or do you think the, the dick size and relaxation... Uh, study. Uh, well, the dick size is not as important as, as proving once and for all that S&M is a sexual orientation, like being gay or straight, and making sure that people in the kink community um, have the same rights as everyone else, that they don't have to um, 
They don't have to uh, worry about losing their children in a divorce or getting kicked out of their home or losing their job just because they love differently. Um, so I, that would be my focus. Uh, but, of course, it would be super fun and hilarious to do a study to see how, uh, how dick size relates to the way that people, whether they're bullies or not. Huh. Interesting. You yeah. Know? I feel like you'd have a ball in second term. Doing yeah. more, f- even like the more fun, like uh, s- funding for studies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's been. I mean, there's been there are studies that are based on uh, on um, SPS, which is small penis syndrome. Mm-hmm. But there haven't been studies to see if that there are certain behaviors that are attributable to people with micro penises. Interesting, and of course, I, this would this would be more like American society because this wouldn't be a good universal. It's all about the culture. I would I would assume mm-hmm. about the penis thing. Okay, <sighs> there's so many things happening. Like I don't even. I'm having a hard time hosting right now because okay. there's like so many things going on in my brain. Because I'm interested in your attitude and and thoughts about politics which is not something i usually talk about on the show mm-hmm. just because i'm not that politically involved mm-hmm. i've been told that i'm very political just for the essence of being me which is funny when your identity and your curiosity means that you're somehow political just mm-hmm. for being right um but i well but i also want to know about dominatrix stuff okay so what skills just like a ceo mm-hmm. or a, a senator or anybody else might run for president mm-hmm. what skills do uh, does your profession bring to the table f- for presidency a lot um negotiation skills you have to mm-hmm. be able to negotiate well okay um and i think the thing that uh I, that that i really bring to the table the most is that I'm very good at I'm a very good judge of character mm-hmm. and I'm good at reading people. I'm good at I I know what really motivates people, what I they're know. really thinking cuz I know. Well, okay, I attended your kidnapping and interrogation yes. class which was so much freaking fun. Yeah. I was entertained and I learned things about myself, about mm-hmm. life, about sex. Mm-hmm. Um and we did talk about you know, eye movement and mm-hmm. and where you're looking and what that kind of means for mm-hmm. which part of the brain you're accessing, things like that. And But I feel like your skills must go... I mean, that I feels like just skimming the surface. Mm-hmm. So what do you look for? If you were meeting with a diplomat from Russia or mm-hmm. Ethiopia or whoever, mm-hmm. who knows where, what are you looking at? Where are you getting your your signs? Like, are you just looking at the feet? See if they're well, you, at the door. you always look at the hands, the feet, uh, and the face mm-hmm. um, for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, I mean, on one level, you can tell, you know, how wealthy someone is and what kind of wealth they have based on the the way that their hands and feet look. But the hands and feet also are where your emotions leak out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when you you know that someone's uncomfortable when they start fidgeting with their fingers mm-hmm. or with their hands or engaging in self-soothing behavior. So, um, yeah, I would observe their body language. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to really get to know someone to be able to really read them because different people have different tells. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain cultural things 
factors that come into it too because mm -hmm. uh, in terms of body language body language deals with uh three different kinds of space which is intimate uh personal and public space mm -hmm. um do so you know your body language shifts depending on Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, of course, it's like code switching, I guess, is the same kind of idea. That you're well, what's, what's interesting about it is uh, intimate space is the space that you would share with someone, with a lover or somebody you're very close with, intimate mm -hmm. space. Personal space is the amount of space that's going to be between you and a good friend. Mm -hmm. And then public space is the amount of space that where if you're walking outside on a street and somebody walks past you, mm -hmm. how much space they have to give mm -hmm. you before you would feel uncomfortable like right. they're too and close. And that differs... Uh, from a culture lot. to culture. Yes. And what, it, what affects that is, has to do with the geography and the population of where you're from. Um, so, for example, that's why uh, New Yorkers need more space because mm -hmm. it's a densely populated city mm -hmm. and people have rooms. And so New Yorkers are not touchy-feely. Mm -hmm. um, but Arabs... Mm -hmm. um, are very touchy-feely. They'll mm -hmm. hold hands together, and it's not a gay thing. Mm -hmm. They'll kiss each other on the lips. There, there's, there's much more contact. Mm -hmm. but that's because they're in a desert, and there's plenty of space. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they don't, they don't need that. Um, so you can see whereas uh, when someone who would be a New Yorker and someone who would be an Arab uh, could have misunderstandings because mm -hmm. of their interpretations of right. those bodily spaces. So it's sort of uh, good to sort of understand where somebody's from because that'll tell you culturally what their boundaries are. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it does vary from person to person. So the culture has a lot to do with it. And how about me? Mm -hmm. You've met me. You've seen me a couple times. What motivates me? Hmm. Because that's, I mean, there's being like, oh, look at the door, or look at your fan, or look at the, where's, where am I looking, like, stuff like that, but to kind of see if they're uncomfortable or self-soothing, but, mm -hmm. you know, let's say I'm uh, representing Sweden, mm -hmm. and we're talking about, oh, there's a bird. Oh, my dog is going to totally be like, I'll get you. My dog's a dominant, by the way. So is my bird. Oh, I'd love to watch a that fight. to the death, <laughs> parrot versus dog. <laughs> Um, yeah. What do you think? Um, I mean, it's a little, the look on your face when I said mm -hmm. that kind of told me like, do you really want me to say this on the air? Like mm -hmm. I got a little like, no, oh no, I'm scared. No, I think you're motivated by adventure. I see. Maybe. Maybe. It's possible. I think your parrot is motivated by. Quiet. Crackers. He is. He's motivated by crackers. Yeah. What are you motivated by? Adventure. Adventure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like me? Just like you. Oh, my God. That was a really good answer. I'll totally vote for you now. Oh, was good. That... Yeah? Yes. Okay, good. I need your vote. Good. I'll, I'll write it in. I'm laughing just because I totally probably will write you in. Just because I think that'd be amazing. Um... Uh, okay, so if you're listening to this, please mm -hmm. know that I don't know a lot. I mean, I, I know what I know, and I have my opinions about politics. Mm -hmm. But I'm honestly interested in talking with you mm -hmm. um, about this. But I, 
I think also it's an interesting idea of it's, I've always been fascinated by how skills and kink and love and sex really mm-hmm. do translate to the real world. They do. So things like negotiation, mm-hmm. um, I think being fair but stern mm-hmm. you know, or um, firm mm-hmm. is really important. Having clear boundaries. Yes. Uh, asserting yourself in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to dominate others when mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. How do you dominate? Like, let's say somebody's giving you a hard time at the DMV, you know, like just in life. You're trying to. I mean, and we need to get. Oh, things actually, done. I think you can catch more uh, more flies with uh, honey than you uh, with honey than you can with vinegar. Got it. Absolutely. Um, but can you dominate with honey? Yeah, I guess it's how we consider what dominating. Well, is. Well, okay, it, it depends on what dominating means to you. For me, what's really important is control. Okay. I like being in control. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm in a situation and I want a certain result, I have no ego about what I have to do to get that result as long as it's not in conflict with my values, Got you it. know. Um, so, you know, if I'm in a situation where it's going to work better for me to be all sweetness and sugar to get what I want accomplished, mm-hmm. I have no problem doing that. Mm-hmm. If uh, coming on strong and, uh, you know, more conventional dominatrix uh, is the best approach, then I have no problem doing that as long as I achieve what I want without, comp- without compromising my integrity. Mm-hmm. Minus, well, the integrity is everything. Sounds a little Machiavellian. Well, well except, for the, except for the integrity part. <laughs> I guess it's what kind of values does a dom possibly have, which is a horrible question, but a lot of people think like when you, when you think about people who... Well, okay. What I try to teach people and what I've learned through years of years of trial and error is that the the real way, the best way to dominate people is through leadership. Uh, And leadership is aspirational. Mm -hmm. You have to, I mean, and to be a good leader, you have to lead by example. So, you know, uh, if I'm trying to teach mistresses um, to comport themselves in a certain way, then I need to comport myself in that way. Mm -hmm. I can't uh, expect people to clean up after themselves if I don't clean up after myself. So, Mm -hmm. yes, even though I have a personal slave that does all these things for me, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I can't wash a dish. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I can't move some furniture. It doesn't mean that I can't do those things. Mm -hmm. Because just like you wouldn't want to depend on a slave uh, for money, Mm -hmm. You, you don't want to depend on them to the point that you're not able to do anything and you become this helpless, mm-hmm. you know, ah, you know, mm-hmm. like waif that can't do anything for herself mm-hmm. and needs men to do everything for her. Mm-hmm. That's not dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you have to lead through example, you know, and if you want the people that work for you to be hardworking and industrious and serious about their craft, then you have to be hardworking and industrious and serious about your craft. You cannot, you cannot... You, know, you, you can't say one thing and then do another thing and expect – because leadership has to have uh, moral authority, basically, Ooh. or it doesn't work. Right, and that's why uh, scandals are so juicy because mm-hmm. it just tears that down, that, mm-hmm. that veil. Yeah, now they've done a lot – there's this very famous study where they, uh, t- they divided people into groups of – of, into democracy groups – uh, totalitarian, like a totalitarian group, a uh, dictatorship group, and a communist group. Mm-hmm. And which group uh, did you think had the most effective leadership, and why? 
communist. Oh, I have to say, and why? It was just uh, totalitarian because it was the bossiest kind. No. Huh. The Democratic group always worked best. What was interesting, though, is hmm. why uh, the totalitarian group failed. When you have a dictator, what they found is that as long as the dictator was around, the people would work really hard and do exactly what they were told. Mm -hmm. But the minute the di dictator turned his back or left, they, they were just fuck off, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but in a democratic group, because people feel invested and they feel like they own it because that's part of mm -hmm. democracy is that we all own this together that this is ours mm -hmm. um, which some people would say sounds socialist mm, or communist well when i say oh. own I, I don't necessarily mean own property but we we own this system of government mm -hmm. you know we're invested in it mm -hmm. um that was the most successful group. So, and that's again because when you have totalitarianism, you have you don't have moral authority, mm -hmm. and the minute people can break free of you or whatever, they're going to. Mm -hmm. So you can. So I mean, there are very few exceptions. That's why all dictators fall, and it's a nasty fall, with the exception of maybe Castro. Mm -hmm. You know, but for the most part, those kind of totalitarian mm -hmm. governments don't uh, don't last. Mm -hmm. So, I've heard in this conversation that kink, BDSM, is mm -hmm. an orientation, mm -hmm. and you would like to fund that research. I assume it is, uh, it's an orientation for you. Absolutely. And as identifying as a, a dom, a dominatrix, mm -hmm. and that you like control, I'm mm -hmm. hearing that, so using yeah. my active listening skills. Very good. If you were to become president, would you just be turned on all the time? <laughs> I'd probably be stressed out and ask myself why I did this to be, if, I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest, you know. Um, no, um, there's a difference between needing to be in control and a desire for power. I'm not a power-hungry person. Okay. I just like order. And I... That that uh, that sounds a little Hitlery, um, but I just <laughs> like order. Um, I mean, I just I think a lot of people would identify with the the love of order, mm -hmm. structure. Yeah, that kind of uh, structure. Or do you mean like OCD? Like these all have to be in the straight line? Or do you mean like efficiency of efficiency process? Of process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you're so that's like I, I always I, I always have to organize everything. Well, your archives are glorious. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just, everything has to be like, I have to know where everything is. Um, so my dominance comes from a place of creating order from chaos, mm -hmm. basically. How does that play out? I mean, this is more of a, a, a lifestyle question than it is a political question. I'm so curious, though, because I've, I mean, just, I've paid more attention to sub stuff because mm -hmm. that's just kind of what I've done so far. Yeah. Um, like when I attended your class on how to do any scene and you talked about, was it th the three kinds of clients or the three, three kinds, kinds of, of bottoms? Three kinds of bottoms. Mm -hmm. And one, and is it okay if I mm -hmm. say, yeah. so there's the, the submissive who takes pleasure from pleasing mm -hmm. the top. Right. There's the masochist. Mm -hmm. So it's a sensation thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's, um, oh, I'm totally blanking on the third. 
fetishist. That's right, fetishist. So if those are the three kinds of bottoms, what kinds of tops are there? Oh, God, there's all kinds of tops. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I could know, obviously, you've developed that content of the three types of bottoms because yeah. those are the people that come to you. Yeah. Um, but, like, you're saying that you... I mean, you've... I guess you've been around so many dominatrices. I mean, I have, you've, you've yeah. managed what, like up to 80, 85, something like at, I remember at seeing our height when we were in New York, Phoenix and L.A., 80 mistresses. Yeah. Which is amazing. That's yeah. a lot of personalities. That's it a, was yeah. a lot of personalities. Did they all sync up menstrual wise? Yes. <laughs> that always happens in the dungeon. <laughs> I was just looking up science to back that stuff up. And it's I, I really want to see more studies on that. I find that fascinating. Um, I'm a, I have a lone wolf uterus. I've never synced up with anybody. It's lonely. Really? It's a little lonely. Aww. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have that high five moment. Mm. 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 Um, so, so you've known quite a lot of dominant people, women. Mm-hmm. women. So would you say that there's any themes, like everybody likes the control of it? Um, I think there are... Uh, there are themes, um, although I guess I haven't spent as much time thinking about that um, just because of the dynamic of the business. But um, I've noticed certain patterns. Yeah, you're um, smiling. <laughs> like for, for, for some reason, there are a lot of uh, vegans and vegetarian doms. Interesting. Yeah, disproportionate. That's interesting considering how much leather That's there what is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never really understood that. I'm like... Because uh, I, I just feel like, you know, if you're, I think the most decadent use of animal flesh is uh, for sexual pleasure in S and M. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but there are a lot of vegans, um, some vegetarians, a um, lot of animal lovers, uh, a lot of women who do, uh, you know, who who work in kennels mm-hmm. and take care of animals and stuff like that. Um, what else? Um, I love animals. Maybe I'm a dom. Maybe. Do you smell it on me? <laughs> oh, oh. Maybe I do. Oh. Um, what else? Uh, well, okay. There is a distinction in terms of tops as to whether you're primarily a dom or primarily a sadist mm-hmm. in terms of your motivation for play. Mm-hmm. Like I can be sadistic and I mm-hmm. certainly enjoy hurting people, mm-hmm. but it's not what motivates me. It's not okay. what gets me out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. What's more important to me is the control. Mm-hmm. While I've met other women who really get off on the pain factor mm-hmm. uh, and it's less about control and it's more about the infliction of pain mm-hmm. and not just the infliction of physical pain, but also the infliction of emotional pain. Mm-hmm. I've noticed. Um, so those are those are two different things. Can I ask you a personal question about sure. myself? Yeah. I'm just kind of like... Dude. You like hurting people, don't you? You know what's interesting? is because you um, worked with a friend of mine mm-hmm. in one of your classes. Mm-hmm. And I got to see you in action, mm-hmm. like being the evil, evil mistress mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you are. And I have no ill will toward this person. Mm-hmm. They're the sweetest person. And I loved watching them getting fucked up by you. And it wasn't because I enjoyed watching them be in pain. Mm -hmm. It was because I enjoyed getting to know who they were when they were under stress. Mm -hmm. I found that really pleasant. Mm -hmm. It felt like I I knew them so much better. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt that. I've never been in a situation where I 
could experience that mm-hmm. and go, ooh, what's that? So mm-hmm. it didn't. I was like, pain's fine. I mean, I actually, I do enjoy. I mean, there is kind of a silly brattiness about like, hey, I'm gonna hurt you, but there's something really exciting about watching somebody struggle, mm-hmm. like in a play setting, in, in mm-hmm. like in that it's a safe space to mm-hmm. struggle and explore that. Well, the Marquis de Sade believed that you don't you didn't know the character of uh, a man or a woman until they were near death. Hmm. That's when they showed their their true mm-hmm. colors, whether they were brave, whether they mm-hmm. were cowardly. That's when mm-hmm. you saw them for who they were. So hmm. there's an element of that. Um, hmm. yeah. I'll probably be you know meditating on that for the next like 15 years. Thanks. There you go. Sure, you're welcome. Thanks for for opening up that that uh, new path for me to dissect and analyze for forever um yeah i feel like there's so much i mean we've talked about presidency i'm excited my plan is to write you in on the ballot which gives me so much joy you're the first dominatrix Mm -hmm. that we know of Mm -hmm. or dom how many how many lifestyle secret kinksters do you think are holding government office oh because i know dc is really kinky a lot yeah yeah do you think the yeah, power I mean, people – is it the power people who are always the the, the bottoms? Is, is it that correlate as much as you yeah, think? Yeah. Uh, well – Are they just the ones that have the money to pay for it? You know, because for, for a long time, there was sort of this idea that uh, that men that were submissive were men with positions of power and authority. And, you know, so they wanted to surrender and let go of that and, you know, let someone else make decisions. And that was relaxing for them. That was a stereotype, so that they were alpha men outside of the S&M arena, but submissive in the S&M arena. Um, but I think that that's a stereotype that developed uh, because uh, pro-dom, if you're a pro-dom, you're, the people you meet have to be able to afford the session, so yeah. they probably... Mm-hmm. So I think that demographic is skewed a little bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I think it is a big demographic, um, I think there's a smaller de- demographic of uh, extremely submissive men mm-hmm. uh, that are submissive all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they tend to be um, very often they're in IT. Really? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Huh. IT guys, yeah. You find a lot of... Although you could say on a level that they have a lot of responsibility too, mm-hmm. but it's not an, it's not responsibility to other people though. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I love. I feel like there should be a. I don't know, like a, a summit to bring. Doms to get or professionals, not even professionals, but just to share what everyone's scene in terms mm-hmm. of tendencies mm-hmm. it'd be fun storytelling yeah nothing else just yeah. to just to hear i mean i know that we also filter information through mm-hmm. our own lenses and stuff but it's still pretty it's pretty fun stuff what do yeah. you wish everyone knew about your lifestyles a female supremacist dominatrix are you still working in the field i mean you're teaching i'm teaching i do an occasional session if i find it interesting mm-hmm. um i'd like to after i'm uh, uh, after I finish the presidency, I'll probably go back to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, I'm just focused on my presidential run. So right now, it's just that and teaching mm-hmm. and sessions here and there. Um, cool. But uh, what would I like people to know? What You mean that they don't know? 
Yes. Like, for instance, um, the fact that there's so much discrimination. Obviously, there's a lot of misinformation out oh, there. Oh, it's... Well... People getting losing their children, losing their jobs. Um, people well, who go into... I'll, I'll tell you a story. Okay. Uh, just to sort of... That sort of encapsulates it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Fifty Shades of Grey came out, uh, I remember... At first, thinking, well, anything that makes it more socially acceptable is probably good, and so maybe this will be an improvement. And you know, and, and and it's so horrible. But but then, what starts to bother me, and this is something that's bothered me for a while now, um, is I was I was walking in West Hollywood and I saw a poster for the Fifty Shades of Grey, and I looked at it and I remember thinking to myself, this woman who is not in the S&M community, and not only that, but did absolutely no research. Oh, really? No, to find out how it actually was. She just made it up. Oh, oh you mean the author, sorry. Yeah. I was thinking, oh, yes. You mm-hmm. know, she just made it up, uh-huh. you know, this stuff. Is making all this money, and I have a close friend, uh, who I love dearly, who um, whose parents... Uh, kidnapped her daughter and took them over state lines uh, while she had stage four breast cancer Mm -hmm. and she never saw her daughter again. Mm -hmm. And this woman was making all this money and my friend has never seen her daughter again. Mm -hmm. That that could happen. So, and so what it sort of represented to me is how it's the co-opting of our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember like when S&M first became mainstream um, in the late 80s, early 90s with Madonna and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I thought it was great. But now when I see, uh, you know, Rihanna or all these other people writing songs, making music, fashion, and they're making all this money mm-hmm. off our culture. I and see. meanwhile, we're still losing our children. Mm-hmm. We're still getting fired from jobs. Mm-hmm. We're still getting kicked out of our homes. Yeah. It's not right. It's not right that these people that are not members of our community are profiting from our culture, our style, the way we dress, the way we look, and, and, and they're using all that. Yeah. And they're not doing anything for us. That's a really fucking important point. That I've it never is. heard anyone say. I've it never is. actually heard that. Huh. Now, I missed a piece of information about the kidnapping. Was that... BDSM related? No, 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 no. Basically, she, uh, her parents found out what she did mm-hmm. and decided that made her an unfit mother. And they told, they, she thought it was just a regular visit. And they took her over state lines. Mm-hmm. And then they sued her. And they won custody. Oh, I see. Because she mm-hmm. was a dominatrix. Her parents took her child. Uh-huh. Because, okay, wow, and, and the law. While she had stage four breast cancer. Okay, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And she's never seen her daughter again. And God knows what her parents tell that daughter about her. Right. So how is that? And then this E.L. Cummings or whatever her name is, is making all this money off SM. Mm -hmm. And this happens to people in the community all the time. Yeah. All the time. You know, even here. We don't really have a... um what is the organization that everybody has the bumper sticker for the to represent LGBT community and, and to help with politics? And it's like a big organization. It's got the yellow stripes. Um, the human... Oh, 
Oh, the Coalition for Sexual Freedom? No, no, no. This is this is really just like marriage equality and, oh, okay. and that stuff. But it just seems like just like how with with gay and lesbian sex people were just so, always thinking about scissoring and butt stuff. Mm-hmm. When it's like there's so much more lifestyle stuff that's mm-hmm. it, there are issues like being able to see your loved one if they're sick in mm-hmm. the hospital. Oh, that's one of the other things that was awful too. Is in the S and M community, uh, sometimes uh, sometimes somebody just disappears and you don't know what happened. Like. Usually it means they're dead. You mean like they stop showing up to events, or what do you mean yeah. they disappear? They just stopped, you know, either, like, for example, um, I had a client for many years named Al. Um, and, uh, you know, when you see someone for 15 years, you develop a, a closeness with him. And um, he, he would come in once a week. He was very steady and regular. And when he didn't come in, it usually meant he had found a girlfriend. So he hadn't been in for a little while. And I thought, oh, that's nice. Maybe he met somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so time passed and time passed and time passed. And then I got this hysterical call from the woman that worked for him. And he died. Mm. And he owned an escort service. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was freaked out because it's not like you can leave the escort service to somebody in your will. Oh, yeah, because it's an underground business. Yeah. And if, if I hadn't, you know, and as I was talking to her, I realized I didn't even know his real name. Yeah, because everyone's so closeted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so stuff like that happens. Like, you know, when you have an old client and he doesn't come in, you just assume he dies. And then the other thing that happens is usually when someone in the S&M community dies, the family finds out, they freak out, and they throw all their stuff away. Mm-hmm. So there's all this, uh, you know, all these um, books and archives and magazines, mm-hmm. and that is the history of our community. Mm-hmm. That just gets thrown in the garbage, oh. and you don't get invited to. Like I had, uh, there was a mistress that worked for us for a number of years, Salome, and she passed away, and you don't get invited to the funeral. Yeah, you don't, you don't get any closure. They're just gone. How isolating and alienating and painful. Extremely. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading something about sex workers wanting to be able to like, share space, like. um I don't remember if this was in the U.S. or where, but it's not brothels, but like basically co-ops, mm-hmm. like what sex workers would like. I mean, this is slightly different than, mm-hmm. than what you're talking about, but because they because of the laws against them, mm-hmm. they can't have companion, you know, friendships that work together and like have colleagues that you can shoot the shit with in between clients. Like you mm-hmm. just sort of work alone, and it's it's not helpful. No, and and you've you've probably, I mean, that's. To just not see people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yes, it. And, and you develop very, very close relationships, mm-hmm. and then they're just gone. Mm-hmm. And then people that usually haven't spoken to them or known them or anything about them for years just come and just, you know, take mm-hmm. all their stuff, throw it out. You're not invited to the funeral. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know their name even. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. Yeah. So that should stop happening. That should definitely stop happening. If I become president, I will... Uh, you know, do something about that. Mm-hmm. Anybody who becomes president, anybody listening to this who becomes president, after you know, well, hopefully you will, and then mm-hmm. you can take care of it. Just any- anybody, Hillary, Hillary, are you listening? You know that she's very anti-adult. Yeah, I'm. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about yeah. our future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think she'll have bigger fish to fry. 
so I'm not as worried about it as mm-hmm. I was. But she, uh, she ha- years ago, I don't know if this is still her platform. She went to Amnesty International and wanted them to make a plank of their party to uh, that all prostitution was white slavery, mm-hmm. which is that's a really extreme position. They didn't take it, but misinformed and uh, not helpful. Not helpful. No, yeah. no, not helpful at all. Yeah, and uh, we've covered like, sex work and, and workers' rights and um, some politics and legal stuff. I had a, had a lawyer on about like, the whole condom law and porn and all that, and it's just really interesting what you bring up. Are there things that still make you happy about? Uh, I mean, obviously, you're still in it. I you're love it. Yeah, it. no, yeah. I do. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I, it's always new. It's always different. It's very creative. You learn something new every day. Uh, the people are, are smart and interesting mm-hmm. um, and fun to be with. And uh, I'm, I'm an autodidact. So mm-hmm. and I find that people in this in, in, in S&M are also hungry for knowledge. And so I just love that yeah. exchange of information. And sort of the journey of learning. I feel like every dungeon could have a game room mm-hmm. off to the side where people could just like roll die and mm-hmm. you know, do cards against humanity and it would totally make sense. Oh yeah, we play cards against humanity in the dungeon all the time. <laughs> really? Yeah, absolutely. Who's yeah. we? Like yeah, the girls. The girls. Yeah. Do you still have girls? Oh wait, because this is still the den of iniquity, so you still have The Dungeons around the corner. This is this is where we do classes now. Oh my god. We were in. Wait, there's more. There is more. I've yeah. never been to the den then, or I'm in the den. I'm in the back. Yeah. Cool. I'm in the, like the cool people's like back. Cool. Yeah. Hangout this area. is the cool <gasps> hangout area. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Good to know. Uh, Mister Headmistress Indiana. Yes. Thank you so much for talking with me and sharing with me so much of your life and experience. And I'm good luck on your your campaign. Thank you. Where can people find more about your work and attend your classes in mm-hmm. Los Angeles? TaraIndiana.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find out about my uh, presidential campaign there. Uh, I am accepting donations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find out about all the classes that I'm giving there. Uh, all my social media there, and you can follow me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Tumblr, on Instagram, on whatever. There's all the all those things. I'm on all of them. Cool. Do you have a tagline? A tag? A, a hashtag or a tag? A tagline. Wait, I I have to say this. Am oh, even... my campaign motto. Yeah, because I, oh, I was yeah. taking notes when I was like, okay. "There's so much good Wh- stuff." Whipping America back into shape, one middle-aged white man at a time. Yes, do it. Ah, satisfying. Thank you. Go Team Fun! Ah. Now leaving Nerdist.com 